0: Good evening everybody and welcome back to the Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane. Back to bring you more chills and terror to enjoy during your evening hours. So lock those doors and bolt those windows and turn off the lights. We're going to have a couple of more creepy stories to share purely for your wicked amusement. Before getting started, just a few updates, I did move into my new location, and we're currently working on getting my haunted collection out of storage and into my new den here, so uh, definitely a bigger property here and lots more room to move around, so hopefully it will work out, but uh, I hated being away, and uh not being able to post an episode for a few weeks, but I am now back. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and get started with our next tale. Now, I'm sure you've heard of the Elmo doll. You've all heard of that, that little talking Elmo that talks like this, something like that. I can't do a very good impression of it, but he's everywhere out there, and he gained a lot of A lot of uh, fame out there, and with that came the urban legends. In fact, I've seen a few videos on YouTube about haunted Elmo dolls. What would happen if a kindly, sweet doll like Elmo became haunted? Well, we're about to find out in the next tale that's called, Elmo Knows Where You Live. It all started last Saturday. It was a day like any other. My mother announced that she was going shopping, leaving me at home to take care of my little brother. In the kitchen, browsing the internet on my laptop, and my brother was in the living room playing with his toys, I listened to my brother jumping around, squealing and laughing. Suddenly, I noticed that everything was strangely quiet. I thought my brother must have fallen asleep but when I went into the living room to check on him, I found him on the couch, sitting perfectly still. His eyes were fixed on the TV. What are you watching? I asked. Without taking his eyes off the TV, he replied, Elmo. Everything seemed normal, or so I thought. When theme music finished, Elmo came out from behind a curtain and said, Ha ha ha, thanks for coming to see my show, you stupid morons. That struck me as a weird thing for Elmo to say, since it was supposed to be a program for children. Then a chill went down my spine as the small red puppet let out an eerie and macabre laugh. Elmo hopes you have fun because it may be the last time. (laughs) Don't turn off the TV or you will pay dearly. Elmo doesn't like boys and girls who turn off the TV. Turning off the TV is bad. Yes, Elmo, my brother said. He was talking to the TV. Remember what Elmo told you last time, ha ha ha. Elmo has a new talking doll coming out. It will be in shops on Saturday. The parents need to buy you a talking Elmo doll, ha ha ha. I know, Elmo, said my brother. You know what happens to parents who don't buy Elmo products. Elmo came closer to the camera until his face filled the entire screen. In a shrill voice, he screamed, Elmo knows where you live. I was about to turn off the television when the puppet said something else. It seemed as if he was talking directly to me. "'Ah, ah, ah!' he shouted. "'Something is being very naughty. "'You know what Elmo does to naughty people.' Elmo took out a big, sharp knife and waved it around, "'stabbing at the air. "'Just remember, Elmo knows where you live!' he screeched. "'It gave me such a fright.' I panicked and turned off the TV. Elmo knows where you live. My little brother glared at me, and without saying a word, he got up and left the room. That evening, he began pestering my parents to buy him a talking Elmo doll. At first, they refused, but day after day, he persisted. By Saturday, he had worn them down and they agreed to take him to the mall to buy the toy he wanted. I went with them. When we arrived at the toy store, it was 11 a.m. and there was a huge queue outside. It seemed like everyone in town wanted a talking Elmo doll. My little brother was shaking with excitement. After waiting in the queue for more than two hours, The manager finally came out and told us they were sold out of elbow dolls. Everyone began to panic until the manager said there was one doll left and he was going to hold a raffle to see who would be allowed to buy it. He held up a big glass jar filled with pieces of paper and went through the crowd handing them out. When he came to my brother he said, Grab a ticket and we'll see if you win. My brother reached in and pulled out a piece of paper. I looked at the number on the ticket. The number was 666. Soon it was time for the big draw, and the crowd were getting impatient. Everybody was pushing and shoving. The manager shouted, And the winner is number 666. Here, here I have it, cried my little brother. My father grabbed the doll, handed over the money, and we ran to the car. The crowd were eyeing us angrily. It looked as if they were thinking about attacking us and stealing the doll. On the way home, my brother had a huge smile on his face. He kept pulling the cord on the doll and making it talk. Elmo loves you, said the doll in a high-pitched voice. I love you too, Elmo, my brother replied. That night, my brother went to sleep with Elmo. At around three in the morning, I suddenly woke up. I heard a sound and peered into the darkness. Elmo was sitting in a chair opposite my bed. I let out a scream and woke my parents. They come running into the bedroom, switched on the lights, and asked me what was wrong. I pointed at the doll. My father asked if I had put it there. Of course not, I told him. Then how did it get here, my dad asked. Maybe it's alive, I mumbled. Oh, "'Don't be stupid,' my dad replied, giving me a withering look before he went back to bed. "'I grabbed the Elmo doll and put it back in my brother's room. "'Then I tried to get some sleep. "'At dawn, I heard a blood-curdling scream. "'It came from my parents' room. "'Apparently, my dad had woken up to find Elmo sitting on his chest. "'It was holding a knife.' "'What do you want to do with it?' he asked. "'We have to throw it away,' I said. "'I've got a better idea,' he replied. "'Let's burn it.' "'That was fine with me. "'When my little brother found out what we were planning to do, "'he began screaming and crying. "'My dad wrenched the doll from his grip, and we left. "'My brother stood at the front door, watching us go and screaming, "'No, don't kill Elmo!' We decided to burn the doll in a field. It was on a hill around eight miles from our house. My dad threw Elmo in the ditch and emptied a can of gasoline over him. Then he lit a match and threw it. The doll went up in a huge fireball. My father got back in the car and shut the door. Just as he started the engine, we heard a loud scream and to my horror, I saw Elmo leap out of the ditch. The charred doll was running around in circles in a ball of flames. Suddenly it jumped onto our windshield and began beating on the glass and screeching at us. My dad floored the accelerator, and we sped off down the road. Elmo was hanging onto the windshield wipers. His body was on fire. But his eyes seemed to be burning with hatred. My dad switched on the windshield wipers and the doll was thrown off the car. As we drove off, we heard a shrill voice in the distance screaming, echoing into the darkness. Elmo knows where you live, you live, you live, you live. I hope you enjoyed that little terror tale. And that's what happens, dear friends, when the most innocent of toys becomes possessed by something evil. (laughs) Alright, and on to our next story. This one's a nice spooky, spooky story based on a classic ghost story by Rosemary Temperley. And it gave me the willies when I first heard this. This one is called... Harry. Such ordinary things make me afraid. Hot sunny days, dark shadows on grass, children with red hair and the name Harry. My daughter Christine was five years old. It was a hot sunny day and she was playing alone in the garden. I overheard her talking to someone. I went outside to see who it was, but there was nobody there. I was puzzled. Who are you talking to, I asked. Harry, she replied. Harry who, I asked. She shrugged her shoulders. Just Harry, she said. That evening when my husband came home from work, I told him about it. He said it was normal for kids that age to have imaginary friends. I tried to put it out of my mind, but something about that name, Harry, sent a shiver down my spine. The next day, Christine was playing in the garden again when I was in the kitchen. Again, I heard her talking to someone. When I looked out the window, I thought I could see a dark shadow on on the grass. It looked like a person... But maybe it was just my eyes playing tricks on me. I tapped on the window and told Christine to come inside for dinner. Can Harry come too? she asked. No, I said. Harry has to stay outside. But he's hungry, she whined. Who is Harry? I asked. He's my brother. But you don't have a brother, I told her. Yes, I do. His name is Harry. Who told you that, I asked. Harry told me. My daughter spent every day in the garden talking to her imaginary friend. After a while, it began to worry me, so I took her to see a psychiatrist. All children need friends their own age, the psychiatrist told me. If they don't have friends, they invent them. It's a normal part of childhood. As soon as she starts school, she'll forget about it. Talking to the psychiatrist reassured me, but I couldn't help feeling nervous. A few days later, Christine started school. I dropped her off in the morning for her first day, kissed her on the forehead, and waved goodbye. Then I watched as she walked up to the front door of the school and went inside. There was something I had to do. I took a bus into the city and made my way to a large gray building. It had been four long years since I visited this building. It was the orphanage where we adopted Christine. The woman who ran the orphanage opened the door and invited me inside. I told her I needed to know about Christine's history. Who were her parents? her birth parents. Where were they now? Had they died? And if so, how had they died? I'm sorry, the woman said. We have strict rules about divulging such information. I told her it was very important. I begged and pleaded, even got down on my knees. Eventually the woman gave in. Very well, she said but this must remain strictly between the two of us. Christine was born into a very poor family. Her parents didn't want her. They were drug addicts, and they neglected their children. The house they lived in was in terrible condition. One night, the mother and father got into a violent argument. The father grabbed a knife and ended up stabbing his wife to death. He cut off her head. Then he attacked the children. "'Oh, my God!' I exclaimed. "'When the police arrived,' she continued, "'it was all over. "'They found Christine in the garden, "'clutched in the arms of her brother. "'She was unharmed, but her brother was dead. "'He had been fatally stabbed, and as he was dying,' He managed to grab Christine, take her to safety, and then they found their father and mother inside the house. The father had taken his own life. My eyes were welling up with tears. "'What was his name?' I asked in a trembling voice. "'Her brother. What was his name?' "'His name was Harry,' she replied. I stumbled out of the orphanage in a daze. I wandered through the streets with no idea of where I was going. The name Harry was floating around in my brain. I felt like I was in a nightmare. I was so frightened, but I didn't know why. Then I looked at my watch. It was after three o'clock. I had to pick up Christine from school and I was already late. I hopped on a bus and eventually I arrived at the school. I walked down the hallway and went into the classroom where I found the teacher gathering up her books. I'm so sorry I'm late, I gasped. Where's Christine? Christine, the teacher said, "uh, she's gone. Gone, I cried, aghast. Yes, her brother picked her up a few minutes ago. My heart sank in my chest. Without another word, I ran outside and started shouting my daughter's name. I was running down the street searching for my daughter, screaming and crying hysterically. It was no use. She was gone. I spent the next two weeks in bed. The police searched for Christine, but they never found any trace of her her picture was in the newspaper, her face was on milk cartons, everybody was looking for her, but it was as if she had disappeared into thin air. After a while, people lost interest, and the search was called off. It remained just another unsolved mystery. Years have passed since then, but the pain in my heart never goes away, the fear never ends. Such ordinary things make me afraid. Hot, sunny days. Dark shadows on grass. Children with red hair and the name Harry. Oh, that was a chiller. Great, spooky story. Alright, it looks like we may have time for one more, one more story for just one last chill up the spine. This one is a really creepy one, also told in first person, and it's called Left Behind. Do you ever get that nagging feeling that you've forgotten something? You know that feeling when you've left something behind, but you can't remember what it was? it was just after six when i left the office and walked to the bus stop as i stood there waiting for the bus to arrive i had a strange sense of unease it felt as if i had left something important behind but i couldn't think what it was maybe it's nothing i tried to assure myself but something was nagging at me i felt like going back to check but i was too tired I just wanted to get home. When the bus came, I piled in with the other passengers. As usual, all the seats were taken. I clung to the handrail as the bus lurched back and forth. I bumped into the man behind me and said, I'm sorry, but he just looked away. More and more I felt that I had left something important at the office the farther the bus carried me from the office, the more certain I became of it. I went over the day in my mind. I thought about my creepy boss staring at me all day. I thought about the other secretaries gossiping about how he had a crush on me. I thought about the letters he told me to post. Had I forgotten them? Of course not. I I thought about the meetings I had to schedule. Had I scheduled them? Of course I did. I racked my brain for some clue as to what I had forgotten. I told myself that I would feel better when I got home, but the uneasy feeling wouldn't leave me. I got off of the bus at my usual stop, but when I came to the lane that led to my house, I finally gave in. It's no use, I thought. This will be nagging at me all night. I have to go back to the office and see what it was that I overlooked. As tired as I was, I made my way back to the bus stop, all the way back to the office. I was just doing this to put my mind at ease, you understand. As I got off the bus, I heard the clock strike seven. I walked quickly up the side street to the office and turned the key in the door. Quickly, I ran up the stairs. When I opened the office door, I suddenly stopped in my tracks. To my horror, I recognized what it was I had left behind. It was me. My body was lying strangled on the floor. Ooh, that's a nice creepy note to end the show on. Well, boys and girls, it's nice to be back to deliver you another little episode of my podcast for you to enjoy the creepy crawly stories that I find out there. In the old books and on the internet, stories I've heard over the years and stories I've enjoyed and I just had to share them, so there you go. But don't worry, I shall be back soon with yet another episode of Scary Stories for you to enjoy in the dark. So don't go too far away, I shall be back in just a few more weeks. But until then, be sure to stay safe out there, watch out for yourself. Always keep a lookout behind your back because you never know what might be coming. But at the same time, please have a happy haunting. <laughs>